You see a player uh, at second base, you know, uh, and he gets there and the shortstop comes over and gives him a hug. That's something you didn't see, you know, 40 and 50 years ago. Macho baseball is gone. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. So... You know, watching Lindor and, and Otani um, play this week, um, I, I saw Otani come down the second base, uh, and there's Lindor, and he comes up, and he, he gives him a big hug, yeah, they're like, they're, they're like, like they're old buddies or something like that. And all I could think about, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is if this were 40 or 50 years ago, they'd never do something like that. There's, that's the opposition. That's the enemy. He's trying to take my meal money. Right. I mean, I don't think even 34 years ago they were concerned about the opposition taking their meal money. That was a maybe, maybe close, 60 or 70 maybe years ago, like yeah, 70 yeah, or 80 years right, ago. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that macho baseball, the whole there is no crying in baseball kind of way of looking at the game. I think it's gone uh, pretty much from almost all levels of baseball, from the fans to the players to the managers to the organizations themselves, there doesn't seem to be the same need for that sort of macho baseball. Well, and, and by macho baseball saying like it doesn't mean that there aren't fights aren't as many fights as there used to be on the field. And when you see a bunch of guys come out of the dugout, I think you were saying this, that's basically why the fights don't happen because everybody can sit on the dugout and they all mill about, yeah. you know, and, but nobody really is throwing punches or getting hurt or anything like that. So whereas before there would, there would be fisticuffs. People were getting split lips and, oh, and I mean, stuff like and that. Didn't Mayor shall go after a guy with a bat, a bat well, We talked about that. Johnny Roseborough. Yes. But I, I, I'm, I'm remembering this book I read when I was a kid, um, and it was Steve Gelman was the author, and it was called The Bonus... Uh, the $60,000 Bonus Baby, because you gave it to me as a kid. kid. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I want to get the right name of this, you know, because I think I, I think it's a bonus, because somebody else wants to read it. Um, yeah, the, the Bonus Kid. Uh, baseball bonus kid, 1961, uh, by Steve Gelman. So, and I'm mean, so I, I, I was reading this probably 10 years later or eight years later. This is a true story. It's a two. No, no, it's a made no, up. Oh, no, it's oh. total fabrication. When I read it, I thought it was a real story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because the, the, the Bobby Reynolds is the star. So he's the, you know, the farm boy kid who can hit the ball a country mile and you're, you're hitting all these Akron high school. He hit a 470 foot home run. And so, you know, he gets to go to the, 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 the contract. He gets a sixty thousand, which you know, this is nineteen sixty one. That was a giant contract. That's a huge amount of money, right? So he's got a six, and he's goes straight to the camp, you know, in Florida with the major league players. So he's eighteen, and the players hate his guts, right? Because they've been working so hard for so long to get their paltry thirty one thousand dollars salary, and this kid hasn't even played a major league game in sixty thousand. So they shine him and they give him a hard time, and they they they're not nice to him, and he's he he's crying because he can't hit in the major leagues and dad I should come home you the whole all the stuff yeah Willie Mays stuff I can't hit here anymore and stuff like that so finally he's uh, at an away game and the opposing team I guess corners him after a game a bunch of the players at a bar or something like that and so he's thinking he's gonna get the the, the crap kicked out of him uh, and all of a sudden all his his guys from the team are behind them backing him up and that's when he really became a member of the team that was what I looked at as macho baseball 
right? That that you had your team had your back and that you're going to fight. You're willing to fight in the field because these guys were fighting, as we said before, for meal money. That was and this kid got it handed to him. And how horrible that was to them that he could do that when they worked their they bought. I, one guy, I, this catcher, he bought the car with the hard sweat and toilet. I mean, the, all the stuff. That, do you remember that from Ring Ring? I mean, it was just so. It's so over the top. Oh, totally over the top. Um, but the point was that's how they drew baseball. It was it was sort of this, um, you know, classically you know uh, looked at way of of seeing baseball through these rose colored glasses of you know only the men play right, and know. they were doing it purely for the love of the game, even though they were very angry at a young boy for getting way more money than them. But they really only played because they loved it. Like I always think it's so weird that we you know in in the. There, I'm blanking on the name of the movie. I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of the a league of their own. In a league of their own, there's a no, there's no crying in baseball. Right. Even though that's the same attitude. You're there's right. plenty of crying in baseball nowadays, and we totally and there's and even then there Wilmer was Flores. There, the thing that doesn't make sense is even then there was acceptable crying in baseball because nobody was you know saying bupkis about Lou Gehrig breaking down during his unbelievable speech. Right, but he was no longer playing at that point. Right, but so. that's still crying. But he was in, in uniform. He's in uniform. That's still crying in baseball. Wilmer Flores crying on the field in 2015 because he thinks he's about to be traded away from his his home team. That is one of the great moments in Met history, by the way. That is a great moment in Met history because he's crying on the field in one He wants to be a Met so, so much. Bad. And I mean, then he goes, a fan, how could right. you not love and that? And then he goes and hits the game-winning home run later in the same game or a couple days later. It's perfect. But that, they made a big deal about Wilmer's cl- crying and the idea that, you know, well, is that manly to cry on the field to do that? And, and you know what? It, you know, it was fine and, and, and he didn't suffer any, you know, ill... Uh, you know, effects from, from anybody giving him a hard time after that. Now I'm part of it is that, you know, in mainly macho baseball extended to a whole lot of things, things like running over the catcher, things like taking out the guy at second base and, you know, spiking him with your cleats. And honestly, I wonder how much of that came down from organizational pressure being like, hi guys, please do not piss off the other team so that they take out our star shortstop who I've spent lots and lots of money signing. Right. Well, well, and, and so, Okay, so that takes me to a point I was going to make later in the podcast. Oh, okay. Okay, but but yes, because what it is now is back in the 40s and before that and, and even somewhat a little bit after that, everybody was fighting for money. You had a few players that got paid big, but most of the players weren't really paid all that well, and we talked about having jobs and the other. Now you've got a millionaire's club that's a fraternity. Right. All right, so everybody that comes to the Major League Baseball, you know, I'm see the rookie gets a base hit, goes to first base, and welcome to the show. Isn't it nice being here? We could pay a lot of money well, for yeah, a game like we the, left to play. Like the guy, the, the first baseman will shake his hand. Not, hey, kid, now you, you, you're raw rookie. I'm going to try to step on your foot so you fall down going to second base. Ha ha. You yeah. know, so you don't get my money. You know, there's none of that. We're all getting paid, and everybody is for It's only 750 guys playing Major League Baseball. Right, so, you know, if you do twenty five times thirty, right. But I, I, th- I think that just that I think it's also a top down directive too that the the, the managers and the teams are aren't interested in, in engaging in these sort of you know one upsmanship scenarios where well if you do this to me I'm going to do this to you because the worst thing that can happen is somebody important to the team gets hurt because of macho baseball. Like the way Chase Utley took out Ruben Tejada in the right. playoff game. Right? And then that led to an actual rule change. Right, right. I think that's that's important. Did you see I posted this week, um, and, and you can go, so Albert Bell in a game oh, uh, just. against Fernando Vina is playing second base, and Bell is trying to, <laughs> well, I'm not trying to, he's, he's on first base, he's going to second base with a ground ball, and he literally cross-body blocks. He cross-body blocks, he just cross-checks it. <laughs> he cr- into the outfield, and 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 Vina gets up 
And he looks at Bell, you know, and because and, he was out, you know, Bell was out, and Bell runs off the field, and Vigna doesn't know what to do. I, just, I was impressed that Vigna got up, by right. the way, because Albert Bell's a big man. And he just throws <laughs> Vigna like a rag. And that was acceptable play to take a guy out like that at that time. And, and he didn't get – he did get thrown out of that game, right. actually. As he should have been. <laughs> As he should have been thrown out of that. Watch that thing. It's, it's, it's hard to believe. I think it only happened in the, in the in 90s. The 90s. Yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I think the problem with that is – and this is the thing, you know, this has been a hot topic in Mets land lately – in that the Mets have been hit a lot this season. They do not lead the lead in major leagues in getting hit by pitches. I believe that still belongs. Somebody else does? The Seattle Mariners. Yeah. They have Ty France and another guy that get hit all the time. I think Ty France has been hit like 20-something times this year or something. It's insane. But um, part of the issue is that these the, they get hit a lot, and the Mets pitchers have not hit a lot of guys this season. Interestingly, same with the Mariners. So they're not getting retaliated against for hitting tons of guys. But... The Mets color commentator and former pitcher Ron Darling has been commentating on the Mets saying that they need to start, even if, you know, Pete got hit yesterday on Saturday in, in, in the back of the neck with a slider. Now, part of it was Pete dodged away for because it would have hit him just in the it arm. It was an 88 mile an hour slide. That's right. pretty fast. But two things. <laughs> Pete wouldn't have been hit in the head had he not dodged out of the way. But I'm sorry. When an 88 mile an hour object is coming out of me, I'm not thinking about the best way to dodge. I'm just trying to get out of the and way. And Pete took a couple of steps toward toward the mound. And they were saying, he. I think the catch, like, he didn't mean to throw at you. Right. And so Ron's point. And this is, I think this is a fair point. Is at a certain point. It doesn't matter. I You're be- responsible for what happened. I believe there was a Reds pitcher earlier this year that hit two guys, either a Reds or an athletics pitcher, hit two guys in the head in the same inning with pitches. And the, and the umpire, even though they were both accidents, ejected him at that point. I don't, I don't know this. Actually. Right. I have so, to look this so up. The, this was either this season or last season. And the umpire ejected him because he was just so wild that he was no longer being safe. And I think that that is part of the issue with throwing at guys is that we are annoyed as Met fans, that Pete Alonso has been hit by pitches repeatedly, and that may injure and his him. teammates as well, and his teammates, and so that may injure him. So, what is our solution? We need to do that to the other team. That's macho baseball, that, and and that's what and that's the problem. And Buck Showalter, you know, manager has uh, clearly sort of avoided right. directing his team to retaliate in that fashion. And, and, and as much as I agree with Ron, because Ron Darling raises a good point. Well, look, the only thing that's going to get those pitchers to stop doing that is probably his own teammates coming to him saying, "Hey, stop hitting them! I'm getting drilled now." Right. Right. And, and, and if you're going to, you know, throw inside, you know, and you, you, a couple of pitches go wild and all that kind of stuff, you're responsible for what happened. Even if you didn't mean to hit the guy, it's not about intent after a while. Right. It's, it's about what's happening. And, and you have to, you have to make them aware that you're not going to stand for this and, and glaring at them is, probably not enough to get no, them to well, change why their that, ways. Why would that get them to stop at all? So I was surprised today at the game that there was not one pitch thrown inside at any of the Angels, and I, I was looking at Otani and Peterson and a lefty against a lefty going, ooh, that would be something if he dusted Otani, everybody would boo, but it would send them. No, there was no message sent. No, and, and clearly that is the way the Mets are choosing to handle this, that they're not interested in retaliating for getting hit by pitches. And I think that's... And what does okay. retaliation look like? Let's, let's, let's Hitting let's, other guys with pitches. Yep, hit them, just pitch 
engaging inside, or does it have to, you have to hit somebody? You gotta hit and somebody. And if you're gonna hit him, where are you supposed to hit him? In the rear end, mm-hmm. in the leg, in a place where the guy can't get hurt. Right. If you're good enough to control your pitch, which you couldn't in the first place, because that's why you started hitting guys. Right. Well, <laughs> well, no, no, they're hitting you. That's why you're throwing yeah, yeah. at people. But I think the problem is, is anybody that's saying, oh, well, you just hit them in the leg, hit them in the butt, are like the same people that are like, well, why don't cops just shoot people in the legs to disarm them? It's not that easy. You think it's easy to just hit these guys with a, because the other thing is, if you throw at their legs, it's much easier to dodge. So it's not easy for these guys to just hit somebody. So if you're going to be hitting, the thing is you can't, you can't instruct a pitcher to hit somebody in a perceived okay location because it's simply too difficult to do. Well, and and to to your point, so obviously I I hadn't intended to talk about this, but the whole Piazza and Clemens thing in the World Series, right? right? When, when, when Piazza. And that's macho baseball. And, and, and and the bad, no, the bat breaks and it goes out to the mountain and Clemens throws the bat at Piazza. And then they look, you see, read his lips and they're like, why did he do that for? And he goes, I thought it was a ball. Right. As (laughs) as if somehow that was going to exonerate. So it's like, oh, so you were trying to hit That just tells you a little bit about Roger Clemens. Right. But, but the, the point is, is that that, kind of you know attitude and 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 if you go back even before that um i was reading something about um, jackie robinson and in 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 the dodgers in the in the 40s and i guess sal magley who was known as the barber because he pitched inside was known for hitting Mm -hmm. people and the dodgers were getting hit left and right you know by magley of the giants so finally jackie says here's what i'm going to do okay i'm going to lay a bunt up the first baseline that the first baseman has to has to feel the pitcher's going to run the first base when the pitcher runs over i'm going to take him out okay that's what we're going to do so Magley's on the mound, and he and, and Jackie bunts it up the first baseline, but the, the, the Magley doesn't cover. The second baseman, Davey Williams, goes over to cover, and Jackie obliterates him, and he goes, oh, well, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that's just, like, kind of it, is that we just don't need that. It's the same way with, like, trucking the catcher to try and dislodge the ball. Is baseball really better because I didn't get to watch Sean Murphy play for three months because some random guy destroyed him trying to score a run? Of course you're right. But I was probably not even 11 years old when uh, Pete Rose came down the line in the All-Star game, which, you know, now you think about this. It's an All-Star game, and they weren't playing for anything. And he took out Ray Fossey at home plate with a, with a you know, knocked the ball loose, uh, and Ray Fossey was injured and never was the same player again for the rest of his career. Right, exactly. And and it's it's not a good look for. But I'll never forget that moment because right, it was ne- like shocking. The, the, right, but the problem is, is is that there's too many people that confuse not forgetting that moment with it, that being like some kind of positive for baseball. Like because at what, what where do you draw the line when you're running over the catcher? Like at what point when when a guy takes like a flying knee at the guy and just destroys him one time and it's just like well he was trying to break up the play like we were okay with guys sliding into second base to take people out until a guy broke his leg and was never the same and player it was, again. it was in a Buster Posey that got to change the rule right yeah. what happened to Buster and, Posey and so that, that's the thing with all of these macho baseball plate? rules these rule changes have come because they've been paid essentially in blood we have watched talented players lose time from their playing career because we want to feel tough well yes yeah well no I, I assume that's it because let's let's face it 
from a pitcher standpoint, pitching inside is part of the game, and there is nobody no. who's going to say that, you know, yeah, you can't give up the inside of the play. No, we should only throw it away from him so we don't hit him. No, that's not how you play baseball. Right. So so with that thought in mind, you, you run the risk when you're going to throw inside like that where sometimes guys get hit. But when it gets out of hand and the same team gets hit over and over again, or it's happening at a greater rate um, because guys are throwing with greater speed, and, and maybe, I'll say it, right, maybe the lack of, of sticky stuff sometimes lets stuff get away from, well, from pitchers I, I that you've wouldn't got pitchers, away before. pitchers that are throwing with more velocity than ever trying to generate more spin rate than ever that's going to result in bigger misfires than ever yeah and if you're standing in the wrong place that misfire is you know, in, in you in your ear as uh as they said in a uh, field of dreams right now so uh watch out for in your ear and i think i think so from a macho standpoint the pitchers have a hard time because you don't want to get thrown out of the game necessarily so you had to be ready and i think pitchers were more willing to get thrown out of the game 50 years ago or something like that. I don't care. I'm going to protect my guys and show them. And and whereas now going, man, I don't want Garrett Cole thrown out of the game. He's our best pitcher. Man. I don't want to start that kind of stuff. And so so I think that there's a difference in the way people look at it now and, and, and the pitchers themselves. Right. Exactly. I mean, and, but, and then I think it's also interesting that then the Major League Baseball sort of threw a, a wrench in the plan after the Ruben DeHada injury where Utley takes him out. The next game, Syndergaard comes out and throws behind the guy, clearly trying to be like, I don't want to hit the guy because I recognize that's bad, but I have to do something to show that you can't break our shortstop's legs. And of course, Syndergaard gets you know summarily tossed from the game, but I feel like that also puts the players in a sort of an unwinnable situation where you there's no way to respond to the slights that are occurring against your team. Other than winning, get up and hit the ball. And that's what Pete Alonso said, you know, going like the only way to really get even is to, you know, to hit and win the game. Um, and I, I remember what I wanted to say about the Piazza uh, thing with Clemens. So I I don't think it was the next season that Sean Estes was pitching for the Mets or uh, at, to the point where Clemens was at bat and Sean Estes, you know, everybody said, well, he's going to hit Clemens uh, for whatever's going on. And he couldn't hit him. Yeah, like he, he, he threw it behind him. He, like, he's, he's, he's trying to hit Clemens, and Clemens is a big guy who doesn't move very fast. And Sean Estes was trying to hit the guy, and he, he couldn't, couldn't do it. So you know, sometimes there's that also. I mean, it's not that easy to throw where you want it all but the like, time. I think the thing to anybody that's just like, oh, you just throw up and in and brush him back. You know, there was a cricket player that died after getting hit in the head with a cricket ball. Right, and I think that's that's the thing that because guys are throwing harder, the risk is is greater, probably greater it, than before, even with batting health. And so Remember, why, they didn't use always right, one of those. And that's why it's so hard for me sometimes to just go along with the suggestion of we'll just drill them back. Right, right, and that and that training of of not doing that should have started now, obviously, and it has for a long time, at the lower levels, right? High school, you know, I hope there aren't any high school coaches out there going, your guys I mean, got hit, drill them in the ribs. That happened when I was in school. Yeah, you, you were told by a coach yeah, to oh, yeah, hit we somebody. Had, we, had, we had the signal, the, the the middle finger. If you got the middle finger, that was the okay. You gotta hit the guy. Doesn't that sound a little like macho baseball that, to you? That's what it is, right? So, so there you are talking about how it shouldn't have happened, and you were part of it because you're a kid playing, doing what the coach tells you. Yeah, you. Uh, what am I gonna do? Not. And so, if the kids get conditioned to that, and then they get through the higher levels, they're just gonna keep doing it. Yeah, they're gonna keep doing it, and particularly at at lower levels, where let's face it, winning a minor league championship is not right right that 
amazing. Right, exactly. <laughs> so so throwing at guys at the minor league level is going to be a little bit different. Um, and you're trying to prove yourself at those levels. So the idea of breaking up a double play, it's interesting how, how much they've tamped down on that because players couldn't manage it themselves. Right, because if you're going to do – because you're, you're putting guys that are trying to eke out every little thing to show that they deserve to move up to the next level. They're going to – if they can break up a double play in some way. It's the same way if there's a great book that you've given me that's about cheating in baseball. If you give players the opportunity to eke out 1% more advantage, they're going to take it. It's called Intentional Balk by uh, by Mark right. Armour and Dan Levin. Yeah, good good book. We hope and, to have those guys think, on the podcast. And I think that's the same thing. If you're going to give players a chance to make it so that a double play isn't a double play, they're going to take it. So nobody wants to fight, right? You know, we talk about hockey fights, you know, being okay because they're on skates and there's only so much, even though guys get can get pretty beat up in a hockey well, fight, I th- I think there's I, only so much leverage you can get on skates. And I think there's also the thing with hockey is because hockey is so much more of a physical contact game. You let the emotion You kind of have to have a way to let the emotion, because you, you need to have fights to not let the des- de- devolve into something much worse. But if something is said or something happens, uh, you know, on the field, like the Tim Anderson thing this year when the fight that he just had with uh, Jose Ramirez um, you know m- misunderstanding I guess between the players to some degree and Anderson's sort of a hothead in the first yeah. place and he was ready to go that that could have been the result of a season of frustration right. for the White Sox just boiling over right. at, not, at, not at, just at, like not literally we are very large men slamming into each other and in making that much physical contact is going to cause emotions to boil over but you don't really see fisticuffs on the field anymore and I think that's a that's a, a good well, thing Well, that's why uh, we were saying earlier that's why the 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 bench is empty because the bench is empty so like when we saw last night when alonzo got fired up and started trying to move towards the pitcher there were guys on the mets whose only responsibility was to corral alonzo and make sure he could not get involved <laughs> that, in that dude's big he's large <laughs> and you don't want your star players having to miss games because they got into a fight and you don't want pedro martinez picking up you know 80 year old don, don zimmer and throwing into the ground. ground oh man you talk about bad stuff right, so i don't think you're <laughs> going to see as many baseball the only way you're going to get baseball fights is that a guy basically has to lose. He has to go from zero to a hundred almost instantly. He has to get hit by something, and before anybody can react, he has to be out towards the mound. Because if there's, if there, he takes any. Or it has to be such a blatantly dirty play, right? Right. Like, right, right, you know, guy comes in with spikes flying, cuts the guy, he's dragging his foot across his uniform. Right, right, right. Like, or he slides, bloody. he slides with a leg up. Right, right. And really goes at him. That, that, and that's about, then that could be that way. Right, and that, that's also different because in that situation, the guy that did the action is right in front of the guy that received it. Whereas with the pitcher and the batter, they're 60 feet separating them that slows down a lot of potential fights here's the thing that strikes me about that too and if you do that and you're a, a team I, I think you run the risk of being ostracized by your own team mm-hmm. right because you're, if, you, if you do something and like you know what the hell are you doing that for to that uh, guy or, you know like like these 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 are guys that we play with we're all trying to make a right, living which here. is why i think you're only going to see either big name superstars or really big name players starting fights or complete nobodies the reason for that is if a big name superstar starts a fight, everybody t- on his team is going to go along with it because it's him. Like if a Shohei Otani wanted to start a fight, the Angels are going to go with it because it's Shohei and you're just going to back up Shohei. 
And if he's that pissed off to start a fight. And then the only other people on the team crazy enough to start a fight are going to be the guys that barely are ever on the team. So they don't have anything to lose. If you're some guy that's like an end of the bench guy and you're, you're always at war, you know, if you're DJ Stewart, who's always got the worry of you're, getting, you're seeing his 10 game suspension doesn't mean that much. No, no. What I'm saying is if you're DJ Stewart and you're always at the threat of being DFA'd or being dropped from the team, you're not going to go out and start a fight right, on right. your own accord. This is your livelihood. Here. Exactly. You're not going to have the same social capital for your teammates who are going to be like, why the hell did you drag us into that? Well, and, and, and the, the amount of money is so much that a guy getting suspended at, at a lower level for 10 games is going to cost him a lot of coin, you know, a lot more than it used to cost him. Exactly. Are you really going to want to take a 10 game pay cut because you got really mad at somebody? And, and it doesn't mean that the players. So here's the thing, you know, the old time baseball fan. Well, you know, they don't play the game the way they used to. You know, they don't play for blood or what? You know, no, they don't play for blood. Actually, they play for money uh, and a lot of money. Um, and, and, go ahead. And I, but I think that's a big part of it is that they're play. They, every player is being paid well nowadays. Even the players that are making league minimum are still doing so much better than the average American. You don't feel good when you look at the numbers. You're like, oh, wow, they make that much money. And so I think because of that, because guys are not going to bed literally hungry anymore or need a second job in the offseason, <laughs> you, you don't have these guys that are that are, you know, looking, they're just not that angry. Right. <laughs> and I think free agency also has a big part of it. Guys are so much more likely to play with one another for different periods throughout their career. And also with the increase in international players that are on there, you are way more likely to have a guy on your team that you have played with or an opponent that you have played with at some point in your career. Unlike back in the day where you only played for one team and the guy that played for the other team, the chance of you ever playing with him was pretty much limited to a single all-star game. Right, right. And they're, they're so, and they may have run into each other along the way, you know, that, which is, which has happened, you know, in, in the past. So what, what do you think though, in terms of, you know, these professional players, um, you know, do you think they, you know, go back and, and uh, you know, when they fraternize with the players on the field, like you see happening now at, at, at virtually every base at first base, yeah. this, um, do you think that that takes away from the game in any way? Do you think that that takes their edge off in any way? Do you think there's any argument to be made that there's too much friendliness amongst the players during a game? No, I don't know. That just feels like, are you being friendly with being able to respect your competitor and have a conversation with the guy? Does not mean you're not competitive? No, I, I, I definitely see that. And I agree that, but to what degree do you feel like, you know, uh, you basically, you're counting on all the players at the moment they step over the line. It's everything about helping my team and winning. And you are the team I'm trying to beat. I will do everything in my power to beat you. Right. I hope so. How many guys do you think can can make the major leagues that don't have that attitude? Uh, That's, well, my, that's my point, right? Um, and and that's why I made I wrote a whole article on you know players don't coast on contracts like people think they do. You know, like um, you know Hayward and, and guys these, like that. These, these guys are trying. If these guys were the type to coast. They would not be where they are today. Cody Bellinger's having a great year. Do you think he wasn't trying the past three years? Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, so, you know, that's that. And, and so the ability to be friendly with the guys on the field is just a manifestation of, as I said before, that the fraternity that they're all a member of, right? It's really cool to be in the Major League Baseball fraternity because you get paid and, you know, and, and you're you get paid to play baseball in, in front of a bunch of people that love to watch you play. So there's not that, you know, latent anger, that insecurity, 
There's not the insecurity there on the part of the player that would cause them to react in a way you know, that they did 50 and 60 and You're not going to have a guy. Ago. And also, you have more cameras. You have way more people talking about you. So you can't pull a Ty Cobb and go into the stands to fight somebody like you used to. I mean, you can. You just or under the stands, as, right. as players You're just did. not going to do that because I'll now meet you under the stands. everybody's going to see that, and you don't have the ability to bury that kind of story anymore. And, and there, there can be feuds, right? There can be a couple of players Guys that have a problem like with each yeah. other. And uh, we saw that with, you know, with, with, with say Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper. Right. Harper hits a home run off him in a playoff game three years later. <laughs> Strickland drills, drills him. him. For like, pimping the it was home three run. years ago. Come on, what's wrong with you? Right, but you know the thing is, nobody looked at Hunter Strickland in that situation. Was like, good for you. You stood up for yourself there. No, it looks stupid. It just looks stupid. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on Twitter. Almost cool.